Welcome to Word Mission Church International Podcast. Now the Word with Paul Mensa Wood. And welcome into God's presence and our online audience as well as our television audience. We're so glad you joined us today. All right. So let's get into our Bible lesson for today. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In this season, we are studying about the seven churches, the letters to the seven churches. And sometimes people don't like to read um, the book of Revelation. Sometimes um, people say it's hard to understand. But you see, um, God meant for us to, for things to be revealed to us. That's why he gave us the book of Revelation. So if you read Revelation, let me simplify Revelations for you. If you read Revelations from chapter 1 to chapter 3, you see um, the message to the churches. After chapter 3, you don't see the church again. The church is, John has a revelation of heaven. He gets a revelation. And then 21 judgments um, come. And by the time those are done, the earth is completely destroyed. Uh, but before that happens, the church gets out of here. So, and there's a precedent in, in the Bible uh, of the church or of the righteous people being taken out before judgment comes. You see that in the book of Genesis when um, Sodom and Gomorrah was being destroyed. Lot and his family are taken out before the destruction comes. Same for Noah's time. Before the earth gets flooded, Noah and his family get uh, put into an ark before the whole earth gets flooded. So there's a precedent. So before that, all that judgment comes, the church is out of here. And please don't plan to be here if, if Jesus hasn't come, or if you, haven't, if, you, if, 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 you, if you are still alive. And then after that, um, it's a new season. It's a new era. There's a millennial reign of the church, uh, of, of the saints. And then there's a new heaven, there's a new earth, and then the whole thing wraps up. So that's the book of Revelation simplified. <laughs> All right, so it's not a difficult book. Notice even in Revelation chapter 1, Revelation chapter 1, he, he says this, Revelations 1, notice this, notice what he says. He says that the revelations of Jesus Christ, verse 1, which God gave to show his servant things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus and to all things that he saw. Notice this, verse 3, he says that, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. Think about this. This is about over 2,000 years ago. He said the time is near. Well, it's nearer than before than it ever was. All right? So he says that. But notice, he says, Blessed is the person who reads. And those who hear the words of this prophecy, who wants to enjoy the blessing? I always like the blessing. I don't like the care side. So <laughs> they say the person who reads and hears this prophecy is blessed. And what is the purpose of he giving it to us if he doesn't want us to be blessed by it, to enjoy it, to understand it, and to live by it? And so it's very important that we hear these words, take it to heart. And sometimes, like the seven churches, you can read it from a dispensational standpoint. You can read it from a historical standpoint. But if you're like me, when I'm reading the Bible, I'm like, what's in here that I can live by? So I pray in the name of Jesus. There are practical things in here that we can live by and walk in the blessing that God has planned and ordained for us. And I see you walking in that blessing 
in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. What's the purpose of a car if you cannot drive it? What's the purpose of a house if you cannot live in it? These are written for a purpose. All right. So last week we started and we looked at how John came about, came, came about and got that revelation to, to start with. You can always catch up online. And today, let's go a step further. We are looking at the church of Simana. So let's go Simana. Revelations chapter 2. Revelations chapter 2, verse 8. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, These things says the first and the last who was dead and came to life. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which are about you are about to suffer, Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be heard by the second death amen all these letters we you see the character of jesus christ his commendation uh, uh sometimes he condemns some of the acts that he has and 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 here for instance in this is one of those few churches one of the two churches where he has no condemnation or criticism of what they are doing the church in Semena. now Semena, put up that map again please so if you if you if you look at the seven churches um, it was like a mail route, and these letters are written in that order. So last week we looked at Ephesus, which was the first town uh, where the Apostle Paul went. And then Semana is like 35 miles north of Ephesus, and it was in competition with Ephesus from, from, a, uh, from a commerce standpoint. Now, and most likely, disciples went from Ephesus and planted a church in Semana. Now, this city used to be dead. You see, the thing is so beautiful when you, when you understand some of the historical background. Now, Semena used to be a city that was dead. At some point, Alexander the Great rebuilt that city. So when Jesus Christ says to them, I am the one that was dead and is alive, it means something to those people. And it was also a city which was facing you see it facing the sea and then at the other in the in the background there was a hill which had public public um, buildings and it was built like a crown and then also right at the base of that hill there was a route they call it a street of gold which ran around like a circumference and and when you are looking at it, you're looking at it, you for the city from afar, you could see like it's like a city which has a crown and then it has a necklace. So when Jesus Christ says, persevere and I'll give you a crown, again, if, even from, a, from an archaeological standpoint, it means something to these people. Amen. God, Jesus knows what he's doing. Have you, if, if you've not, who, who knows that? Jesus knows what he's doing. And he knows what he's talking about. And so, for these people, it meant a lot for them to get this message. Now, in Semana, one of the things that they had was, and, and, and when, this, when Jesus Christ says to them, I am the first, they were the first town also to swore allegiance to the, to the emperor in, in, in Rome. 
So when Jesus Christ says, I am the first, it, me it means to these people that no emperor is the first, nobody is the first, but I am the first. And in some cases, these people face martyrdom. And when he says, I am the last, when he says to these people, I am the last, he's saying to them, look, to you, even if you are at the threat of being persecuted for your faith, death is not the end of it. That's not the end of it. I am the last. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But you see, these people were going through great persecution. And so he says that I know your works and tribulation. That word tribulation means a test, a trial. And, and with the intent to bring out and to see what you are made out of. And one, day, one of the things that they were going through was they had these, these big boulders. And at some point, they were so at the, at the point of persecution that they will lay down the boulders and tell them that, look, recount your faith in Jesus Christ or we are going to kill you. And so they will start lowering it down and lowering it down and lowering it down and lowering it down. And if they refuse to recount their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, they, 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 they were killed. And also in Semena, I'm giving you the historical background so you understand uh, why he's saying some of these words to them. In Semena, they had trade guilds. And for these people, notice that he says that, he says to, this, he says to them, I know your tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. Well, why were they poor? They had trade guilds, and the trade, to belong to the trade guilds, you had to, um, when they went to those meetings, they had drunkenness, sexual orgies, all kinds of evil practices. But he had to belong to those trade guilds to be able to get a job. And these Christians, because of their allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ, said that, look, we, are, we will not go to this, belong to this trade guild, to these groups, because we cannot serve the Lord Jesus Christ and don't go to where these places where they sacrifice to idols and go, go, go through all these evil practices. We are going to maintain our allegiance to Christ and because of that, they couldn't get jobs. And so, I don't know where you are. Maybe you are going through a difficult time because of your stance that you have taken for God. Because of your position that you have taken for God in your family, in your workplace, wherever you may be. You are going through a difficult time because of, 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 of the stance that you have taken for God. Because you refuse to compromise. I pray in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus that no matter what the difficulty is, sometimes pressure from your friends, from your peers. Be like us. Do like everybody else. But like these people, they did, were so determined and they made their stands that look, even if we have to go without jobs because of our stands for God, we are willing to stand for God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And, and now see, Sometimes, all of us, in our Christian walk, get to a place 
where we have to make a stand for God. And sometimes in, in, in this place, they were, the reason, one of the reasons why they were, they were also against them was because sometimes if there were earthquakes, if there were plagues, if there were different bad things that happened, they would say that, look, it's because of these Christians that these, that these bad things are happening to us. Because they are not making sacrifices to the gods and joining us in these religious other practices, that is why these bad things are happening to us. So they became antagonistic against these people. <laughs> and sometimes, when we make a stand for God, I pray in the name of Jesus, that no matter what comes up, we say, look, I'm on the Lord's side. I say, say, I'm on the Lord's side. Lord side. But notice, he says that, he says that, but you are rich. You see, he says, I know your works. I know your works. And that applies to each and every one of us. I know your activities. I know what you are involved in. He knows each and every one of us personally. Sometimes it's easy to get to the place where you think that the world has forgotten about you. You think that nobody cares about you. You think that, I mean, even God doesn't care about you. But I've come to announce to you by the word of the living God that God knew you even before you were formed in the womb. God knew you even before you came on the scene. God knew you, knows you, your, your hurt, your, the pain and the difficulties that you go through. God knows you where, exactly where you are. God knows you, some of you, you may, you may become very hard-hearted against God. But Jesus is saying to you, I know you and I know your works and I know your activities. And each of us, he knows them. He has been personally in the church. He's been observing them. Ask yourself if Jesus is observing me my, and observing my life what will be his account about my life? <laughs> Each of us should analyze that question. I know your works. He knows your ups, he knows your downs, your tribulation and poverty, but then he sees that you are rich. You see, that word poverty there could, could stand for two, uh, there are two words really used in the New Testament for poverty. And here, the people who, I mean, I mean, it can refer to somebody who earns like very bare minimum and it's not making ends, ends meet. Or somebody who is very impoverished that they have to, very, sometimes homeless, that they have to scrounge for food. But then he says, you are rich. Why did he say that they were rich? Now, because these people were going through said difficulties, they will come together and have very rich fellowship. They depended on each other. They became a false function. 
I know sometimes we, we live in a society where we can become very independent. But you see, we need each other. I said we need each other. Amen. I said we need each other. Amen. I said we need each other. Amen. And that is the purpose of the church. We come together to study the word of God about the fellowship. The fellowship is very important. Solomon was a very wise person. He made a statement in the book of Ecclesiastes. He says, he says that two are better than one. We are better when we are together. Two are better than one. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9. Because they have a good reward for their labor. Two are better than one. If they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him again. We all need each other. Two are better than one. We all need each other because they have a good reward for their labor. So because of that, they depended on each other. And sometimes they will check, are you still alive? Sometimes when you write, when you, when you read the letters of the Apostle Paul, he says, greet each other, kiss each other with the kiss of love. So that's what sometimes these people were doing. Kiss each other, and sometimes they'll check, check on this person. Are you, are you still here? Because they were going through such a difficult time. So, but you see that, so they had such rich fellowship. They came together and depended on each other. We all need each other. Never get to the place where you think you can stand on your own. We all need each other. Now let's go a step further. Thank you, Lord. This, this, these letters are so rich. And, and, and um, there's so much in here. And he says, And I know the blasphemy of those, of those who say they are Jews and are not, but a synagogue of Satan. And he says, And I know the blasphemy of those, of those who say they are Jews and are not, but a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. Notice he says, do not fear. He says that there are some people who say they are Jews and are not. And he says that the blasphemy of those people. But he says they are synagogue. They are of a synagogue. So I say do not fear any of those things. Now, which you are about to suffer. Now, he gives them a heads up of what's coming up. And sometimes that's the purpose of prophecy. Prophecy is, is for edification, comf comfort, and exhortation. But sometimes also, Jesus will use the vehicle of prophecy to tell us what's coming ahead. 
Heads up, there's something ahead. And sometimes when you are driving the roads, they'll say, um, slow down. It's to 25 miles per hour or 35 miles. There's a curve coming up. If you ignore those no signs, you ignore it at your own peril. <laughs> slow down. Something is ahead. Something is coming up. So he says to these people, do not fear. You see, we've talked about this. Fear can paralyze you. Fear can paralyze your initiative. Fear can paralyze you. Uh, what is going to happen to me? What is going to happen to my family? What is going to happen to my children? I, he, the bills are stacking up. The doctor has given me this report. This exam is coming up. I'm not ready. All these things can cause you to fear. But if you look back on your life, you see that sometimes the things that you are tempted to worry about, sometimes the things that keep you up, up at night, if you really analyze it, you, you check, up, check up on a few of them. You realize that the thing that you were worrying about uh, didn't happen. <laughs> a large majority of those. But he's saying, if you read this in the context, he says, do not fear. Stop the fear now. Any of those things, notice that he didn't say that those things will not happen. He says that those things are going to happen, but do not fear. You, you see, uh, the Bible talks about the fact that even as the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ um, comes, become, comes closer and closer, things are going to get worse in the air. In fact, there's going to be a, a dual thing happening. We'll talk about the Holy Spirit here shortly. There's going to be a mighty move of the Holy Spirit, and at the same time, the wickedness of the world will continue to increase. And it will get worse. But thank God, you and I are privileged to be in the earth for such a time as this. And in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, even as it gets more wicked in the world, do not fear for it is an opportunity that darker it gets, the more brighter lights. The more valuable light becomes. So don't fear any the things that are coming up. And then here he gets to the key one of the key issues. He says indeed the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. Who is going to throw them into prison? It's very easy to think that God is behind your problems. That's why he's giving them a heads up. Jesus is not against them. Jesus is not the one going to put them into prison. Jesus is not, was not the one behind them not getting good jobs. Jesus is not, 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 was not the one behind their suffering. He says the devil, if you, if you please settle this thing. Good comes from God. If it is good, it comes from God. If it is bad, it's from the devil or sometimes the choices that we make. Because it's, 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 it's some, it, if, you, if you get it cluttered in your mind, it's, it's not helpful. 
Let's go to James. We'll, we'll come back to James. Notice verse one, James 1.17. He says, Every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of light with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of light. If it is good, it comes from God. God is not the one behind your problems. Settle it. The word devil means an accuser. One who repeatedly keeps beating you, beating you, beating you down. And in this case, for these people to get to the point where they give up their faith altogether. Till they throw in the towel. He's coming against you with the goal that you, I mean, for instance, like Job, I said to him, curse God and die. Forget about this God. But in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, I pray that no matter what comes up, always stay on the God side, even if you don't understand. Lord, I may not understand everything that is going on, but I trust in your goodness. I know that you are a good God. I know that you are a good Father. I know that you created me for a purpose. I know in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, whatever I am faced with, whatever I am confronted with, Lord, I will stay on your side. Every good and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of light. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I will stay on your side. Oh my God, I sense his presence this morning. My friends may be pulling me in this direction. Let's go and get involved in all these activities that drove you, you away from God. But he said, no way, I am on God's side. The devil is about to throw some of you into prison. He says that you are rich. You are going through a hard time. But spiritually, you are, I mean, you, you are rich like you've never known before. Then he says, thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's, let's go back to, to, to it again. He says, thank you, Lord. He says that, do not fear. Stop the fear and stop it now. He says that you may be tested. He's about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. That word test there is like how you test like a precious metal to find out what this, this is this substance really real? The devil comes to test you. Are you, go, are you for real? Or you are just flaky? Or you are just going to throw in the towel? I pray you'll be found real in the name of Jesus. And then he says you will have tribulation 10 days. That means that it's not going to be, it's, it has a time frame and a time, it's only for a period of time. It says 10 days. You see, no matter what you are going through, 
There's an expiration day. I said there's an expiration day. Notice First Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 10. He says that, But may the God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory, by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, Notice, after you have suffered a while, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. After you have suffered a moment, after you have suffered a while, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I speak the word of God into your life. Whatever you are going through in the name of Jesus, God will come through for you. Amen. He says, after, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. That's the destination. You are called to overcome. After you have suffered a while, it has an expiration date. It's not going to be for your forever. The difficulty, the test, the trial. He says that he will perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. God will settle you in the name of Jesus. God will settle you in the name of the Lord Jesus. God will settle you in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Then he encourages them. Notice. He says. Be faithful. Unto. Death. That, that is. The, 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 the thought there is. Continue. Being. Faithful. Unto death. Again it meant something to these people. And he says I will give you the crown of life. Now there was a certain. There was a certain bishop. His name is Polycarp. He was the bishop of the church of Semena. Polycarp. It sounds like a fish, doesn't it? Polycarp. It's spelled P-O-L-Y-C-A-R-P. Now, Polycarp, he was a convert of the uh, Apostle John. So it's, it's a second, gener second generation. And it's, it's, it's not in, in, in the canon of scripture, but it's from historical accounts. Now, one day, they came and picked Polycarp up. And when they came and picked Polycarp, now you see, when the Bible says, let me even before I get there, when the Bible says, be, be, be faithful unto death, it means a lot. Now, Polycarp, is, is, they call him, the, the, he's part of the apostolic fathers. So you have the, the apostles that were before. Then after, after all those people, those people came along. And they were faithful. And then so, so another generation came along. And another generation came along. And another generation came along. Then we had, we, we had, we, we had, we had people, that, people like Martin Luther came along. You see, before he came along, everybody believed that he had to work for your salvation. Then he came along and said, no, no, the just shall live by faith. Very strong message. Then, others came along. So many others. The Pentecostal revival came along. The charismatic revival came along. So, when it gets to us, 
If you are not faithful to God and, and, and your service to God, the thing started with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are not faithful and you drop the ball, you are not only dropping the ball for one generation, all that happened from Jesus, the apostles, the apostol apostolic fathers, to all time, all that they've done, you are just, it's like a marathon. You've dropped it for all of them. That's why we, have, we mustn't take our Christianity lightly. There's a lot that has been put on us and a lot that we have to do. But we will not drop the ball. I said we will not drop the ball. I said we will not drop the ball. I said we will not drop the ball. All right, let's go back to Polycarp. Who is, who is Polycarp? <laughs> they pick up Polycarp, and when, they, when the soldiers came to pick him up, he said, you sit down. And he gave them a meal, he served them a meal, and told them about Jesus Christ. Think about that. And they picked him up, and he went into this arena full of people. And the king said to him, look, Recount your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He was 86 years at that point. He said, I've served the Lord Jesus Christ for the last 86 years. He's done me no wrong. And I will not blaspheme his name. And I will not give up. On the Lord Jesus. In fact, the people, the people were, 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 were shouting, away with this atheist. Now, they called, him, they called the people that they didn't believe in their gods atheists. So even at that point, Polycarp had a sense of humor about him. <laughs> While they were, he, was at the, he was at the stake, at the risk of, of being burned, he says, away with this atheist. He's ready to die for the Lord. He's ready to give up. You see, that's what I was saying last week. Some of us, the least thing, I don't want to, this Jesus, I'm not sure. <laughs> but he stood his ground and refused to give up. He stood there and said, And they let out the wild beasts and the fire. And he gave up his life. We're talking about, I mean, this, this memorial the weekend. People that have given up their life for our nation. These were people. Sometimes, someone will say, ah, we, me, for me, I mean, that I live in a country like this, I don't know who. Uh, the next election that comes, I don't think that whoever comes and becomes president or whatever, I don't think that they are planning to ban Christians at the stakes or release wild beasts on them. What does this have to do with me? <laughs> you see, sometimes there are scenarios and there are situations in our lives 
where we get to the place. One, it's possible that other things than death can interrupt our faithfulness to the Lord. And two, sometimes loyalty to a person out of the will of God can hinder us from being faithful to God. Three, sometimes our loyalty to our will rather than his will keeps us from being centered on him. We want our own will, not the will of the Lord. Sometimes the things we accumulate, sometimes the friendship we make, sometimes the priorities we have can impinge upon that faithfulness and the Lord. And then sometimes we might find it easier we might find it easier to die than to overcome some entrumping habit, problem, or circumstance. But I pray in the name of Jesus that we will not let anything come between us and our faithfulness to the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. And it says, Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Again, it meant something to these people. Grab where crown is where we get Stephanos or Stephanie or Stephen. Be faithful, and I will give you. The crown of life. There are five crowns mentioned in the, New, in, 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 in the New Testament. Now, the first one is the crown of incorruption or the incorruptible crown. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 is given to those who have a lot of self-discipline. It says, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown. But we for an imperishable crown. They, they, they had athletes then. When they won, they give them a crown. They do it to obtain a perishable crown. But we for an imperishable crown. You see, we are all we are running a race. So he says that because you are in a race. It requires a lot of discipline. In fact, the word disciple comes from that root word discipline. Discipline. People that are running from the natural standpoint do it for a perishable crown, but there is an imperishable crown that he promises us. And then second, there's another one. A crown of rejoicing. First Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 19. He says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even in you, even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? We call it sometimes the soul winner's crown. Oh my God. That crown is for each and every one of us. Every time that you lead somebody. Sometimes we talk about the fact that we are ready for heaven. 
But you see, there are so many people around us. Sometimes we talk about the second coming of Christ. Some people even haven't heard his first coming. Somebody said, why should somebody hear the gospel twice when some people have not heard it once even before? That's why we go to some of these places. Why, why, why should we bother? Get out of the comfort of our homes. Get out of your comfort environment to share, some, share Jesus with somebody around you who is hidden or another nation. This is the motivation. That crown. That crown. That crown. It's for all of us. He says you are our crown of rejoicing. Who would you be rejoicing with when you get to heaven? Who, who will be rejoicing and saying that, thank you, Lord, that you prayed. Thank you, Lord, that you gave. Thank you, Lord, that you shared the gospel with me. Thank you that through your giving, others were able to go and share the gospel with others. The soul winner's crown, our crown of rejoicing. Then three, there's the crown of righteousness. The crown of righteousness. Second Timothy chapter 4. Verse 8, he says, finally, verse 7 says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the righteous judge will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearance. Those who have anticipated Jesus, the next coming of Jesus. I've run the race. I've kept the faith. There's laid up for me the crown. And he says, this crown is not only for me, but to all those who have loved his appearing. We talked about Wednesday about God's reward system. <laughs> Everybody is not going to get the same reward. Don't deceive yourself. You make it in there. Some people just barely scrape it, in, scrape it into heaven. Some people too will get huge rewards. You'll be one of them in Jesus' name. And then four, there is the crown of glory. First Peter chapter 5, verse 4. He says, And when the chief shepherd appears, you receive the crown of glory. That does not fade away. This is the special crown for pastors. I'm glad I have one of them. Amen. It's a special crown just for pastors. Notice that in the church, these letters, he writes the letters to the messengers, the angel, the pastors of the church. They are in his hands. If God wants to deliver a message, he will deliver it through the pastor. There's a special crown reserved for me, for pastors. The shepherd's crown. Those who have faithfully fulfilled their functions. And then five, there is the crown of life. There is the crown of life. James 1, verse 12. James 1. Verse 12, thank you, Lord Jesus. He says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. We talked about love. That's another, that's another, that's another one here. Where is your love? He says, For those who love God, it goes to their thousand generations. When it comes to the curse, he says, It goes to the four generations. When it comes to those who love him, it goes to a thousand special crown a reward in this life and in the life to when he has been approved the one who endures temptation the one who endures test trial you are ultimately going to come out on the side of victory 
after you have served a while. It is when he is approved. Sometimes we call it, like, we call it, we call it a stamp of approval. He will receive the crown of life. He will receive the crown of life. The crown of life which the Lord has promised to those. And it's that same crown that he's talking about in Revelation 2.10. It's also for, for, for those who suffer persecution even to the point of martyrdom. The crown of life. The crown of life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now let's go back. To revelations, his final words to this to this chat. This is the shortest. He says, He was an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Let's talk a, a little bit about the Spirit. <laughs> if the Holy Spirit hasn't hadn't come, Jesus was getting ready to leave. He said, Look, don't worry. The disciples were sad. He said, Oh, we've been with you, we've seen your miracles, we've done fun things together, fishing, all these things, and now you are getting ready to leave. They are sad. And they said, no, 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 you don't. Don't worry about it. There's coming another just like me, Alos in the Greek. Just like me. And here you have an advantage because you have the Holy Spirit with you all the time. He says, he was an ear. Let him hear. Have a listening ear, an ear to hear what the Spirit, who is the Holy Spirit. He is God himself that has come down. You see, when you think of the Holy Spirit, don't think of him as a, as a, as a, a lesser being than God the Father. No, 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 no. He is God. And back in the Old Testament, when they wanted to encounter God, in fact, they couldn't have a personal I mean, relationship with God. The priest had to go in to the temple very carefully they tie things on him and they'll keep checking are you still here are you still alive just to approach the presence of god and it was all shut up when jesus was here jesus could only be physically in one place at one time oh but thank god on the day of pentecost Oh, the Holy Spirit came down and filled those disciples. And now in the New Testament, he calls us, if you are born again, you have the Spirit of God in a measure. That's so another thing, to be filled with the Spirit. Yeah, no, oh, this is so sacred and awesome. He calls us the temple of the living God. That presence that was shut up, that presence that no one could approach, now this awesome presence is now living in you and I. And when you leave this place and go into that community, when you leave this place and you show up at work, God goes to that place through you. My Lord and my God. Somebody say thank God for the Holy Spirit. Thank 
He says when he is come, he will comfort you. When he is come, he's going to guide you. He's going to reveal and make Jesus more real to you. He was an ear. Let him hear. That means that not everybody is hearing. You have to train your ear, your spiritual ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. And thank God. I like what he says in John 14, 26. Let me read it from the classic Amplify. Thank you, Lord Jesus. John 14, 26. Jesus. Talking about the, the coming of the Holy Spirit. When he comes, what is he going to do for you and I? Oh, the, the Amplified breaks down the sevenfold meaning of this word, paraclete. The classic Amplified, he breaks it down for us and shows us his sevenfold work that he's going to do. In our lives, John 14, thank you, Lord Jesus, verse 26, from the classic amplifier. He says, but the comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and if you need anything else, he shall stand by. I said he shall stand by. The Holy Spirit. Whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things. And he will cause you to recall, will remind you of, bring to your remembrance everything I have told you. Oh, glory. Sevenfold. Counselor. Helper. Intercessor. Advocate. Strengthener. Stand by. And thank God on the day of Pentecost, he told the disciples to wait. And they came. When the Bible says in Acts 2.1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appears to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and begun. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and begun. You don't begin till you are filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Without him, you cannot run this Christian race. Without him, you cannot walk this walk. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then later on, timid Peter, the one who before Jesus Christ died was running away and denying Jesus Christ in front of a little girl. When the Holy Spirit came upon him, 
when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, that, that man changed and began to preach the gospel. That same Holy Spirit is the same Holy Spirit that fills me and I preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is where I get that boldness from. And that is where you can get boldness from. You think I've always been like this. I was a very shy person. <laughs> and one day in high school, the, the, the church I was going to, the people were praying for boldness. Like I'm talking about right now. And we were praying for boldness. And I received boldness. And one day, I went to the class. And I said, my knees were shaking, but I, but, but, but I, I did it. That is the first time I stood in front of people to speak. I said, let's pray. They all looked like me, like I landed from, from, from moon, from, from another planet. I said, let's pray. I pray. And then I said the, 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 the word of God with them. <laughs> Receive boldness in Jesus' name. Amen. And then the gifts of the Holy Spirit began to manifest. The church doesn't, without the Holy Spirit, we can't do anything. There's no church. But thank God he's here. And then I said, I, 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 one, one time in that classroom, I said, there's somebody here. You just got a report that your mother is in a critical condition in the hospital. If you are here, raise your hands and I'll pray with you. You see, if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't be standing here today. It takes faith to operate in those things. Somebody raised their hand. He said, that's me. Oh, the difference the Holy Spirit makes. We don't, we are, we, this is not a dead religion. We are seven again. The Lord Jesus Christ. Receive boldness in Jesus' name. They all received. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit too. Peter said in Acts 2.39, he says, For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. It's not just for those people. It's for us as well. And notice he says he's counselor, he's strengthener. The Holy Spirit knows about everything. He knows about chemistry. He knows about marriage. He knows about raising children. He knows about finances. He knows about everything. And he's been sent to help you. He says this promise. Is to you and to your children and to all who are far off. My God. And so you can ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will give you a, a heavenly language to communicate with God on another level. Deep fellowship with the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Luke chapter 11, verse 9, he says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish... Will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? 
Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? How much more? How much more? How much more? Will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? you ask for the Holy Spirit, he won't give you a devil. He won't give you a serpent. Even we natural parents know how to give good things to our children. No earthly parent want their responsible earthly parents want their children to turn out badly. How much more? 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 So wrapping up, he talked about the spirit <laughs> in the church cement. To the church, he says, "Have a listening ear." And then he says that he who overcomes Revelation two eleven towards the end shall not be hurt by the second death. Death has no power over you. The second death, power over death. Oh, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. That you will let the Holy Spirit take over your life. You will cooperate with the Lord. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Are you hungry for more? Who here is hungry for more of God? Online, television, wherever you may be. You want to see God manifested through your life. Yield your life to the Holy Spirit. Jesus did. He yielded his life to the Holy Spirit. In his birth in his death, in his ministry, in his resurrection. Yield your life to the Lord. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. We trust this podcast was a blessing. Subscribe for more messages like these. If you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, we would love to hear from you. Email us at info at wordmissionchurchinternational.org. We will love to equip you in daily walk, so sign up for devotionals and encouragement at www.wordmissionchurchinternational.org. You may reach us at 719-235-5535.